one, one, two, three. Hello and welcome to the People Powered Green Left Podcast, where we give a voice to the 99% and not the big corporations. If you think this project is important, please consider becoming a supporter today. Now, on to our latest episode. Thank you all for attending this uh, public forum slash book launch. I'd like to start the event, uh, firstly, by doing an acknowledgement of country. Um, this land always was, always will be Aboriginal land. I think it's more than pertinent for us to recall that fact, that it's this land that was stolen in an invasion, land that has never been ceded, as we gather here tonight to talk about the war that's been occurring in Ukraine. Now, we, we had advertised that we were going to have two speakers. Uh, Dennis was also going to be participating. Unfortunately, the, the combination of the, the time difference, which was already a bad factor because he's currently based in the US, would have been a 3 a.m. start. Um, but the fact that then he then found out that his first classes for semester were starting this morning for him time uh, just made it impossible for, for him to really be able to, to, to participate uh, tonight. However, uh, we still have Vladislav, uh, a historian, um, who's uh, done, done a lot of research on Ukraine and, and Central East and uh, Central European history. Um, as I said, a member of social movement uh, in Ukraine and who's speaking to us uh, from Kiev on Zoom. Yeah, thank you a lot. Thank you for the introduction. And I think it's really important that you start this meeting with uh, this uh, disclaimer and uh, notice about stolen indigenous, indigenous land in Australia. And I think it's really important that uh, we should speak about these points and uh, always bring anti-colonial struggle, uh, struggle together in leftist discussions. Without anti-colonial optics, I think left couldn't be strong. It's really a prerequisite for strong left is to work with uh, indigenous nations, with nations that are fighting imperialism, fighting assimilation, trying to defend their communities, and so on. So I think it's a great start. And... Ukraine right now is uh, besieged by colonial nations that wants to destroy Ukrainian identity, Ukrainian people, Ukrainian state, and colonize its land to grab its land for their imperial uses. And uh, now Ukrainians are fighting against this, and already more than nine years ago in this brutal war, war practically of assimilation and extermination. And... Uh, now, probably Ukraine lives through one of the dar darkest time in its history, but it still defends. I would say that it is really important to organize real anti-colonial, anti-imperialist solidarity and to connect all the imperialisms, um, to fight, uh, to connect the fight against all the imperialisms and against all the colonialisms in the world. As uh, one famous Ukrainian socialist dissident in the 90s said that uh, brave resistance of Chechen fighters against Russian imperialism saved Ukraine from the imminent Russian invasion. That quote was already from the 90s, so everyone practically from socialists in Ukraine or dissidents understood that their imperialist motives, but the struggle of other nations, um, of other states against Russia, first the Chechen Republic, then Georgia, and their brave resistance, their anti-colonial resistance, gave us some time to prepare. But it's also a factor that all of this struggle connected. Um, one struggle against imperialism 
can weaken or can uh, can weaken other imperialists or strengthen other struggles against imperialism. And I think that is one very important point that we should underline, that we should strengthen all the anti-imperialist movements. We should fight against all the imperialist aggression and we should uh, create universal points of view against all aggression, against all assimilation. So, yeah, that's, I think, very important for the left right now. So we, we wouldn't degrade to some kind of campus left and withhold our ideas of democracy, socialism, and solidarity. So in Ukraine now, not much really updates happens because most of the things are now usual. We have bombings of major cities from the time, from last, I think, few months. Lviv, Kiev, Odessa, Chernihiv, Krivery, Kharkiv, all were bombed by rocket strikes and practically are bombed every one of the weeks with uh, a lot of people dying and uh, civil infrastructure destroyed and terrorist bombings that are precisely targeting the civilians or civilian infrastructure. At the same time, on the front line, Ukrainian army has relative gains and so slowly, but pushing Russian forces. But unfortunately, the lack of equipment, the lack of training and professional training that could be provided by uh, Western powers really undermines counteroffensive and makes it harder to push massive Russian defensive lines. Fortunately, last week there was progress around issue of sending Ukrainian Ukraine fighters that could be necessary to destroy Russian defensive lines and to gain air superiority. Um, actually, right now, frontline doesn't change much and most of the fightings are very brutal and going on near defensive lines, or near minefields and practically a lot more stale and positional and most Ukrainian offensive uh, advantage comes from the bombings of uh, Russian supply munitions, Russian infrastructure uh, that is far away from the front lines. In the last time, Ukraine developed its capabilities to strike deep in Russia, including strikes on Moscow, in Crimea, and uh, far away from the front lines on airfields that uh, uh, used to bomb Ukraine. So that's the update on the front line. Unfortunately, it seems that the war will go for a long time and probably majority of the people in Ukraine would be uh, needed to serve in the army on the or participate massively in the army effort to succeed against uh, such level of uh, Russian imperialism, such big forces that are attacking Ukraine. I don't think that this war would end swiftly and we are now practically morally and economically and militarily preparing for a really long fight. On the political front, there are a few progresses. Uh, probably the most important one is the reintroduction of labor inspections and uh, abolishment of some tax cuts for the business. War needs actually now forcing neoliberal politicians to make so-called pragmatic choices and uh, return to at least some form of uh, real economic management and not ideological neoliberal management. 
Uh, in limited form, lab labor inspections were returned and uh, tax cuts that were made for the business from the start uh, of the full-scale invasion were backed down and uh, cancelled. This forced some backlash from the business elite and uh, now in Ukraine society there are a few business campaigns organized by the most egoistical and anti-Ukrainian business parts of Ukrainian society that fights for practically destruction of Ukrainian state and its capabilities. They are agitating for abolishment of taxation of business, of uh, complete privatization of education, of uh, practically um, ignoring all social role that business should have in times of war. They are also using the media to push their to push their positions and to fight against more pragmatic uh, branches of Ukrainian government and Ukrainian politicians. So right now there's, I would say, conflict between two political front, uh, two political factions of Ukrainian government. One of more radical neoliberal and one of, of uh, pragmatic neoliberals that wants to have a state that is capable to fight in the war at least. And that conflict, it. Uh, in some ways, breaks the society. It uh, divides the society because um, now there are a lot of conflicts and uh, take of uh, thesis of limiting taxation really could harm army and Ukrainian capabilities to defend itself. Uh, but to promote this campaign, uh, there were unfortunately some criminal actions organized, probably these connections with oligarchs but it's unknown right now. Uh, there was attempt attempt to murder uh, advisor of uh, our fin finance ministry uh, that is responsible for taxation. And uh, there were campaigns against uh, social activists by the practically paid far right that are serving oligarchical elite right now against uh, practically against the government and against social activists who are fighting for social security and uh, social stability. Last week, um, some far-right activists attacked uh, one left nationalist activist uh, who left Svoboda Party, but practically evolutioned to some kind of left position and uh, were practically kicked off nationalist discourse and started to defend working rights, started to, to, to defend social causes. And he was attacked by far right uh, in connection with his campaigns for social security. So now business elites practically uses the sections of far right as paid, um, paid protesters, paid uh, attackers, who pressure some sections of uh, civil activists who uh, who practically limits the possibility to have extra profits for the most powerful in Ukraine society. At the same time, there were a lot of corruption scandals, uh, scandals mostly oriented in the army and in the mobilization uh, and conscription centers. Zelensky fired practically all of the people who were uh, Heading conscription centers because of blatant corruption and uh, limitation to conscription uh, because of people abusing power. That created a lot of potential for, for the anti corruption actions 
in military and police, and practically paved the way for for radical change in how Ukrainian conscription works for the better. Uh, the uh, practically the decision was pushed to remove all the heads of conscription centers and bring soldiers and uh, people connected to the army to administer conscription. People who serve for the, for the front lines understand how, how it is important to have uh, fully, uh, fully uh, capable squads with uh, all members. Okay, I, I see there's sound, unnecessary sound. Can you just off it? Someone turned me. Okay, great. So it's opened the way to fight corruption on the, in the most important sections, um, fighting corruption in the military sections and defensive industries. And fortunately, now there is some progress in this direction done by the government. But the same way, municipalities and municipal officials using the war as also protects for the corruption and illegal dealings especially construction sector of the business. And there, unfortunately, government does nothing. And all the role of protesting comes from civil activists who are trying to secure municipal democracy and uh, practically secure the cities from dominance of construction companies to secure green spaces, parks, uh, and uh, public spaces from construction business that wants to destroy them. Uh, unfortunately, the biggest municipalities, the biggest cities are working together with uh, uh, business, uh, with uh, very toxic business that wants to destroy public spaces and uh, organize campaigns against activists, including the campaigns that use police or special services to pressure activists. Um, yeah, to pressure activists to stop their activism. Uh, in Kyiv, recently, SBU uh, went with searches for the Union of Architecture Workers, uh, who are now leading the protest against uh, unnecessary constructions in the city. Another development with SBU actually very positive, that uh, SBU finally announced criminal case against leader of Communist Party, Prosimonenko who fled Ukraine and now organized pro-Russian campaigns, arguing for uh, more support for Russia and arguing for more genocide against Ukrainians. As we finally opened criminal case, and in that criminal case, they searched uh, and discovered a mention of leader of Communist Party, famous communist mention, uh, and practically requisitioned, <laughs> requisitions, uh, requisitioned huge mansion with river, with uh, swimming pool, with a few floors, uh, you know, the typical oligarch mansion, uh, with communist flags on it, and uh, placed the photos of it on the internet, which is really hilarious. But it's a great progress in terms of countering Russian-connected oligarchs, Russian-connected businesses, and Russian-connected politicians that are working against Ukraine. Right now, uh, that case was mostly formality, uh, but it gave the way to continue investigation in terms of connection of Communist Party to Russian imperialism. And right now, Petro Simonenko, he actively 
He tries to agitate China to support Russia and participates in all of the horrible events together with totalitarian communist parties like Communist Party of China, uh, Cuban Communist Party, uh, to argue for strengthening Russia against Ukraine. Um, yeah, and probably one of the more recent development and one is really that is really horrific is Russia acknowledged that uh, it's stolen at least 700,000 children from Ukraine. And now they're uh, sent to re-education camps, uh, to uh, camps that are organized by Chiveka Wagner, um, that promotes ideological education and ideology of uh, Russian imperialism. Uh, practically, this is huge uh, war crime and huge action uh, of genocide against Ukrainian population. And uh, Russian actions on the occupied territories, they're ruining families, they're ruining lives of common people, and they're just uh, just destroying the, I don't know, future and lives of hundreds of thousands of children who are now sent far away in, in mainland Russia, Russia from their homes for re-education. I think that's all with the major Ukrainian political developments. In our work as social movement is Ukrainian socialist organization that fights for working price, social reconstruction, social stability and socialism, and of course, international solidarity, self-help and so on. Uh, we had a few progresses on our campaigns and mostly we are now, uh, we are now orienting on four things. First, it's campaign against uh, against tax cuts, against uh, neoliberal approach to governance, and for strengthening of la labor inspections. We have a relative success with uh, labor inspections being reintroduced in some way, and we are already using them in criminal courts in ca in cases when uh, labor rights are threatened. Now we are using these labor inspections to help for our cause. For, uh, to help to defend the rights of Ukrainian workers, of uh, Ukrainian labor, especially in times of the war. So our campaign for strengthening labor inspections had relative success, but we are not stopping and we are arguing for complete restoration of uh, activities of labor inspection and actually make it more stronger than before the war uh, with the necessities of social stability and security and rule of law in times of war being even more important. Um, together with this, reintroduction of labor inspections helped us uh, in our uh, judicial activities. It meant that defending Ukrainian worker in the court now a lot easier. And we have a possibility to win a lot more cases and to win them faster and uh, have a lot more strength when it comes to uh, class struggle against uh, business business owners who disrespect their workers and does not pay a fair share in terms of war. Another very important part of our activities is activities about this discussion of reconstruction. Um, I would say that practically the Ukrainian government is the most reactionary actor in, in the discussions of reconstruction. Um, usually there is this approach that Western governments try to push neoliberal reforms on Ukraine but in fact, it's the other way around as Ukrainian government tries to 
compromise as more as much as possible neoliberal uh, positions with European Union and USA because uh, European Union have conditions joining and to euro integration which uh, have a lot of uh, social oriented points and especially in labor rights which Ukraine uh, is a lot weaker than general European state so Ukrainian government tries to uh, negotiate as much as possible attacks on uh, rights of work uh, of workers with the European Union but European Union practically protests it and uh, forces in some way uh, to moderate neoliberal demands of Ukraine. The same comes from the US uh, with the Biden administration actually their approach to Ukraine and generally um, to foreign politics uh, politics changed in some way. Uh, and in terms of Ukraine, it's really progressive change because uh, US government now finances here um, a few NGOs that are centered around labor rights and labor security. Um, so, and helping to promote uh, trade unions and uh, trade union partic participation in the economy. Also, the grants that uh, US administration gives uh, are coming with conditions that they're used together with trade unions and used for social needs. In such way, these actions actually limit Ukrainian possibility to spend the money um, on the neoliberal demands and forces Ukrainian government to at least listen to trade unions and negotiate with them some of the major spendings of US money. So that's very positive development, but unfortunately it also comes with uh, Ukrainian government pushing its agenda of neoliberal reconstruction uh, on the conferences and especially recent conference in London where practically no one of uh, civil society was invited. This small group of people connected uh, with Ukrainian business and representatives of uh, UK Tory party, they were discussing plans for Ukrainian reconstruction in very neoliberal lights. Uh, in such discussions practically um, use closed space um, to create general narratives of neoliberal reconstruction against social reconstructions and uh, creates a really bad precedent that decisions about reconstruction would be decided in the closed door, not in favor of uh, Ukrainian people. We are in Sociální Ruch organized counter-conference in London and we brought uh, labor uh, members of parliament and our economists, uh, economists from London School of Economy uh, and our activists, civil society, to bring the discussion around how we can organize socially, social reconstruction oriented on people, on uh, workers, and on everyone involved, on local communities, on practically the people who are suffering the most in terms of uh, war. And that gained a lot of traction. It gave us some support of uh, more mainstream labor member of parliaments, including uh, parts of uh, Labour Center Wing, who are now fami uh, familiar with uh, quests of Ukrainian social reconstruction and try to support us in this direction. Together with this, we practically the only one who, the only ones in Ukraine for pushing the demand of uh, alternative reconstruction oriented on social demands and not neoliberal business demands. 
I hope you got a lot out of this episode. To continue producing shows like this, we need your support. Consider becoming a supporter for $5 a month, sharing this show on social media, and submitting your own stories. You can do all this at our website, greenleft.org.au.